So you're in charge of everything. You run the baseball operations department for a major league team, which has legitimate hopes of going on a deep playoff run. Swing and a fly ball, wallop to center. To the warning track, to the wall. She is gone, and the Braves have struck first. And then COVID hits. And now you are dealing with endless new challenges on a daily basis, while still trying to do the traditional part of your job, which is to build a team that could win it all. How do you do it? I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. I view this as one of the premier jobs in all of sports with the young talent that we have here, some dynamic young players. There's no question that um, certainly expect big things going forward. Alex Anthopoulos is the president of baseball operations and general manager of the Atlanta Braves, the two-time defending National League East division champions. And Anthopoulos has had as much on his plate as anyone the past few months. No matter what it is, baseball ops, COVID-related issues, all the decisions that need to be made filter up to his office. Expectations for the club are rightfully high again this year, even with all the challenges that exist. Alex, we know you got a lot going on right now. Thanks for joining me today on A Swing and a Belt. Really glad to be on, Dan. When you and I set this up, Mike Soroka had not been injured yet. So I'm going to start there before we get into the other things that I wanted to ask you about, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you right away. You know how popular he is in Canada being from Calgary and just what an absolute terrific guy he is in addition to, to being a great pitcher. Uh, I mean, I was watching it live and just got a lump in my throat right away. Can you tell us in the couple of days since it's happened in the aftermath, you know, have you spoken to him? How's he doing? And I know it's too early for a prognosis, but how do you see this playing out going forward? Yeah, so like you said, it was rough, and I talked to him. Um, obviously, at the time of the injury, I went down to the training room, and I've been through it before where guys are pretty dejected. I've seen guys get pretty emotional. He handled it really well, and his attitude's been fantastic. I will say this, too. It goes, to, you know, for a guy who just turned 23 a few days ago, the amount of texts and, well, you know, the people that know him and want me to pass along, whether it's emails, texts, People from around the game, a lot of Canadians, obviously, people that are connected to Canada and Canadian baseball and so on. He's so well-respected, highly regarded. And like you said, just the person and the human being. I've said this as well. Obviously, when I was with the Blue Jays, I'd go to the Baseball Canada dinners each year. And I was always so impressed with guys like Morneau, who really look like the torchbearer for all the Canadian players and so on. And I, I view Mike as the next in line. He's so proud of being Canadian. He's, his connections to Baseball Canada run deep. So to see him go down like that with all the work that he's done and everything that he's gone through is tough. And you know, we expect him to be back. And knowing Mike, he's been talking to people that have been through it before. A lot of people reached out to him also wanted to help out and so on. So we know he'll be back. We haven't put a timeline on it just because we know he's going to chomp at the bit and want to come back sooner, sooner than most players. But we do expect him back next year, whether that's opening day, a little bit beyond We'll see how that goes. Well, if you would, pass along thoughts from everybody up at Sportsnet. He's, as you mentioned, he, you know, he knows a lot of people. A lot of people know him. Everybody roots for him and follows him. So please tell him that uh, everybody up at Sportsnet and the fan in Toronto is wishing him a speedy recovery as well. Will do. Yeah. We'll circle back to baseball between the white lines, but you can't talk baseball in 2020 without talking about COVID. And the Braves have been impacted uh, to a significant extent. A lot of it was early on at the intake process and that sort of thing. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about is some teams are publicizing 
who has COVID, and some teams are not. They're just saying he's on the IL for undisclosed reasons, and there are privacy laws at play. So each organization has made its own decisions. Why was it that the Braves have gone public about it, and were you involved with that decision-making process? Yeah, it was something that was important to me. Obviously, it's up to the players. We can't dictate it and certainly can't demand it or anything like that at all. But the minute it happened, you know, we talk about this all the time, and that's probably just through experience. Transparency to the best that you can is important. There's obviously things that we don't divulge. Our attitude is we don't want to lie. We don't want to mislead. But we don't necessarily need to volunteer things as well, especially if someone's down in the bullpen or someone has an injury that they can still play through. We don't, we're not going to divulge that information. But I tell our players this. I tell our manager this all the time. When in doubt, because, look, I know the fans don't think through these things, but you know, I'd say every front office player and so on, when things happen, you huddle up and just make sure you're on the same page. What are we communicating? How are we communicating it? And the minute there's even any thought of how are we going to explain this, the first thing that comes out of my mouth, and we're all on board with this, is when in doubt, tell the truth. You can't go wrong with it, and you're better off to do that. So I think it was the same thing. Knowing that the manager is going to get asked about it each day, players are going on the IL. They're not there. I don't think it's fair to, to, to the manager to have to skate around it. Everyone could put two and two together. And we also thought it would help raise awareness. And, you know, it was good for the industry, good for society to see this. And we were proud of our players for wanting to do it. So we called all of them, walked them through it and said, look, we believe this is a good idea. We believe everyone's going to put two and two together at the end of the day. You being out front of this thing and allowing us to reveal your name and so on, it just makes it easier across the board. And it's the right thing to do in our mind. So. No, they were all willing to do it. Freddie Freeman was the first domino to fall, and that was pretty important. So when we called the others, because we had four guys at once on intake, like you talked about, we have not had, knock on wood, a positive test since we've opened the doors to our clubhouse. So our staff and our players have done a great job. But once we could say, look, Freddie Freeman's agreed to do this as well. We're doing this as a, a group. No one had any doubts at all. Everyone was willing to do it. So, And I even told Freddie when he came back, doing his interview even with the mask, I know it's not a great look. I know the sound quality isn't bad, but you know, there's even to this day right now, there, there's so much debate about mask wearing and so on, which obviously I, I think it's a no brainer. I think him setting an example, I did an interview as well, wearing a mask and I, you know, I know it's not ideal, but I do think we have an opportunity here to help set the tone as an organization. We have a lot of eyes on us. We are a social institution. It's something that we feel strongly about as an organization. In some ways, Alex, Freddie Freeman has been the most notable case of COVID in baseball. One thing is he's a tremendous player. And the other thing is he had serious symptoms. Talked about having a fever over 104. So how open was Freddie about publicizing to the nature of his symptoms in this situation? I think with him, he's so accountable. And he realized he had a platform and a forum to try to educate everyone. And you know, so many eyes were, were going to be on him. And this was an opportunity for him. And he, he's done it with our players and our team. You know, we've asked him to, to talk to our players as well. You know, we've had meeting upon meeting. We worry about it. I worry about it all the time. Daily, we're getting emails about results and testing and so on. And you don't want anyone to get complacent. And when your best player is being accountable, when he's warning the other players, we've set up our own club rules beyond the fact that there's an MLB operations manual protocols that you need to follow. We've taken it a step further than that. But having your best players supporting that and setting the tone is huge for us. So, you know, and beyond the fact that he did his best to educate the community, the industry, and so on, and not to shy away from it is to take it as an opportunity. You know, if you get to know Freddie, you wouldn't be surprised at all. He's candid. He's transparent. He's as good as they come. So it's been big for us as an organization to have our, our best player set the tone for the entire club. 
how nerve wracking was it for you in the moment when you found out that he was having, you know, pretty severe symptoms? Did he call you? Was it the doctor who called you? How'd you find out about it? So I'm in contact with our trainer all the time. I stay in contact with him as well. And it was interesting. He came in on intake. So we opened our doors Friday, July the 3rd. He came in, I believe on the 29th of June, did his test, had a negative test. And then on July the 2nd, Thursday morning, he was symptomatic. He wasn't feeling well. And we went to get a second test. The next morning, Friday, he felt fine. And then we only got the results of that second test Friday night, where it confirmed he tested positive. And then that night is when his symptoms spiked. But he was feeling great. He thought he just may have had a cold. He was hitting Friday morning. And then his symptoms spiked pretty badly. And then I was made aware of it the next day. And then ultimately, a few days later, things came down. But it, it was rough. I mean, he had a 104.5 is just, I can't even think about what it would be like to go through something like that. But there were times where I thought you go through something like that. I wouldn't have been surprised for him to call me and just say, look, I, I can't do this. I don't, I'm not going to play. You know, it was incredible that just he was so determined to come back. And, you know, I remember when he was reinstated, how excited he was, how excited I was. He was driving to the ballpark. You just, you realize how much joy you get out of being in sports and for obviously for him playing sports and being a, a part of it as well. But uh, he's handled all of this in an incredible way. You know, he's a huge part of our team. One of your key relievers, Will Smith, is on the COVID IL. A guy who probably would have been your fifth starter, Felix Hernandez, opted out of the season. Two of your catchers experienced symptoms, but I don't think ever tested positive, but you were without your two catchers for the first several days of the season. Nick Markakis, veteran guy, been around forever, in part because of a talk with Freddie Freeman, opts out. You go to sign Yasiel Puig. He tests positive. You don't sign him. Then you go sign Matt Adams. Now Markakis has uh, changed his mind, opted back in, and has just rejoined the club. Do you ever just need to sit down and say, wow, this is a lot. Like, there's a lot going on right now. No doubt. And, you know, you realize no one's going to feel sorry for you, whether it's injuries and so on. In terms of the two catchers, they had not tested positive at all. They were cleared to play. We just didn't want to take a chance uh, to put anyone at risk. I worry all the time about it. We have some clubhouse staff, some coaches, and I worry as much about them as anybody else because they're higher risk because of age or underlying health conditions and so on. And we didn't want to put any of the players at risk. So we held those guys out for basically our road trip, our first five games, and it's not ideal I know there's times as a GM you're conflicted because you're paid to win and you're, the expectations are to win, and certainly those are the expectations here. But I think it's easy to handle it as safety first. But like you said, it's been a crazy month to five weeks, and this is part of the, the job. And even pre-pandemic, there's issues that you're going to deal with. Last year, we had all kinds of issues, guys getting hurt. Three-fifths of our rotation blew up on us again. Our bullpen, we turned over the entire thing. Six or seven guys, I believe, from what we thought in the winter, we turned that group over. And, you know, that's part of just the job and churning. And even though I can tell you that after the game, when we lost Mike Soroka, you know, guys were down, rightfully so. And no one's going to feel sorry for you. We're certainly not going to quit. Uh, it's up to us to just keep grinding, fighting, and find a way to continue to get better. And we still have a lot of good players. So this is not going to be the last of the challenges. We still have another six weeks left or more. And there will be more challenges beyond the fact that just guys getting injured, guys not performing. And uh, staying safe, I think, is a competitive advantage as well. And that falls on the organization, your training staff, front office to support staff, and so on, and your players. 
Right. Absolutely. But as you mentioned, it, at the end of the day, it's health and safety is obviously the most important thing this year. But this is professional sports and you're paid to put a team on the field that can hopefully win. And sometimes you have to balance those two things. Does the winning feel as important this year? Do you savor them as much this year? Do the losses hurt as much this year as it does in a typical season? Yeah, that's a great question, because even though you know, we're, we're off to a solid start, our expectation is to be a competitive club. You know, I think people have said this before, too. You know, the wins don't feel nearly as good as the losses feel bad. And especially when you have expectations. So you definitely enjoy them the same way. I, I still, irrespective of what's going on with the industry and the uncertainty at times about playing and so on, we certainly will not make excuses. We're not going to have excuses. Whatever does happen, every club has their challenges. I feel like as a GM and head of baseball operations, you know, part of building a good club is having makeup and character. And part of that is being a responsible player and doing the right things. The guys that you bring into your clubhouse, that's part of the equation as well. But, you know, I'd say normally when you lose a game, a tough game at any time, you know, you go to bed that night, it's you, you kind of mope a little bit to yourself. At least that's I, I do. But I try to keep it in, internal and you try to forget about it when you go home and then you go to sleep and that's the time you, you forget. And when you wake up the next morning, immediately you're reminded it's like they had a dream and you're reminded you know i remember just with soroka going down i'm reminded the next morning oh man we lost soroka you know it's just a reminder in the same way let's say you blew a tough game that night and it was a really tough loss and you're trying to get over it and you know you're playing the next day and then you go to bed and for that moment obviously it's out of your mind and then you wake up again and you're reminded how tough the loss was it's the same thing so the losses still hurt a lot um, you're still expected to be competitive. And, you know, I've always felt this. You know that, especially now with the community, you know, there hasn't been a lot of sports. They're rallying around their sports teams, especially in Atlanta right now. We're the only active team playing. I know that there's fans right now that live and die with, with the Braves, and this is their outlet. This is what they have. And, you know, you want to put a good product out in the field and, you know, the entertainment piece and all those things. I love the fact that sports is back. I love being able to come home at night and watch games and so on. Or even the Leafs game was on a few days ago at four, and that was just great to see. Or the Raptors are on. You want to do a good job for your fan base as well and hopefully get back to the playoffs. Glad to hear you're still following the Toronto teams. Of course, Alex is Canadian. And, and last thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm not asking you to get political or anything like that, but you are Canadian. Your wife and kids are up in Canada right now for the summer, but school is starting soon. They're coming down. You're a dad, like like all of us who are dads. So, you know, we've all got to go out and do our jobs, whatever that entails. But really, the most important thing is our family and trying to keep everybody safe. And, and you know, how much thought do you give to, hey, my kids are coming down to Georgia where things aren't as good as they are in Canada. My kids are going into school. I hope that the protocols there are designed to keep my kids safe. I mean, that's got to be on your mind every day as well. No, it is. It's starting to come up. It's a week away. And I've been talking to my wife about it a lot. And like you said, she's up in Ontario. My in-laws are up in Innisfil. They have a lot of family up there and they've spent the summer there, especially I've been working all the time here and they've had a great time. They've stayed safe, but you're absolutely right. And I've been telling her, I think my experience having gone through this with baseball now, knowing that we test every other day, protocols are in place, mask wearing and so on. And I would be lying to you if I didn't say I have major concerns and that's not anyone's fault. Schools have done all kinds of town halls. They've set up all kinds of protocols and so on, whether it's masks or shields and so on. And I'm still uneasy about it because I've seen how challenging it is here with all the protocols we have in place. And I think the big key is that we test all the time and we have the ability, if someone has any type of symptoms at all, 
we run them through basically what's called a point of care test, which is a pretty quick test. It's a quick swab and you get results within, I'd say, two hours tops. And, you know, with all due respect to schools and so on, I don't think they're going to have that ability to test. And that, that's a major issue and a major concern. So and that isn't anyone's fault. It's just obviously not that easy to do. But it's something that we continue to talk about. You know, you worry about I have a seven year old and a nine year old. And this is an important part of their, their life and time in their life. And they go to fantastic schools here. But I do think there's an advantage of having lived through this the last five weeks. I got to tell you, it's a discussion we continue to have. And it's the, I remember there was a study months ago about sick kids in the, the hospital was saying it was important from a development standpoint for kids to be back, back in school. So that's the dilemma that we have. And uh, we're going to continue to debate it up until the last day. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate. These are unprecedented times. I'm sure you'll be glad, very glad to be reunited with everybody after being a bachelor for the last couple of months. I hope everything goes well. Hope the schools are safe. Hope the Braves are safe and that uh, you yourself are, are safe over the next several months. Alex, as always, can't thank you enough for the time. I know you got a lot going on as, as we just discussed, but uh, be well and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, Dan. Really glad to do it. Our thanks to Alex Anthopoulos, the president of baseball operations of the Atlanta Braves. One can only imagine between COVID-related situations, injuries, trying to field a team, being a dad to two young kids who are getting ready to go back to school in Georgia, all of the things that go on in his mind on a daily basis. Fortunately for Alex, he's a high energy, don't need a lot of sleep, very creative, resourceful kind of person, which is why he's been as successful as he is and those traits coming in handy now probably more than ever before. Thanks as always for listening. A Swing and a Belt is produced by Christian Ryan. I'm Dan Schulman, and we'll see you again next time.